Hello there, you Awakening Wonders on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. We really appreciate you, our listeners, and want to bring you more content. We will be delivering a podcast every day, seven days a week. Every single day, you'll get a detailed breakdown of current topics that the mainstream media should be covering. But if they are covering, they're amplifying establishment messages and not telling you the truth. Once a week, we bring you in-depth conversations with guests like Jordan Peterson, RFK Jr., Sam Harris, Vandana Shiva, Gabor Mate, and many more. Now enjoy this episode of Stay Free with Russell Brand. Remember, there's an episode every single day to educate and elevate our consciousness together. Stay free and enjoy the episode. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining us on our voyage to truth and freedom. Remember, you can support our work by becoming a member of our community. The link is in the description. We make content every single day, including additional content just for our supporters so that we can grow this movement and so we can oppose what we identify as hypocrisy and corruption and do our best to grow and awaken together. Now, we have a martyred man on our hands, Aaron Bushnell, who may have mental health issues, who may be suffering from a variety of conditions. We're unable to assess that yet. What we can say for certain is a person who felt strongly enough in his nation, America, to live his life dedicated to it through active military service, has set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in protest against the ongoing Middle Eastern war, which some people would call, of course, and let me know in the chat how you feel about this, a genocide in Gaza. Now, what does it tell us about the military-industrial complex and the state of the unipolar ambitions of the military-industrial complex? The idea that you cannot have an ascendant Russia or a thriving China What you must have is a globalist state backed by institutions like NATO. Have we reached the point where you can't even use the time-honoured argument that it is unpatriotic to not support war? That we have to support the troops? Those people that bravely put themselves on the front line have to be respected and to question wars is to question their loyalty, is to daub yourself anti-patriotic. Well, what does this event tell us? And indeed, imagine if this protester were aligned to issues that the state supports, how this death would be exploited. Imagine that this could be framed as somehow, oh, this guy set himself on fire because he doesn't like Donald Trump in some way. Or if they have in some way been repressed or damaged by a conservative or traditionalist agenda. Imagine how this event would have been exploited. Now, we're not going to show you the footage because I've watched it. I don't watch things like that, generally speaking. I found it too disturbing. You'd be able to find it if you want to watch it. But here's a still from it that Caitlin Johnston commented was an image that helps you to understand modern America. A serviceman who has burned himself to death having a pistol aimed at him. What an astonishing image that is. Caitlin Johnson has also written this piece on the broader implications of this tragic, unpleasant event. Active US airman Aaron Bushnell set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in Washington today. He said he did it in protest of the genocide in Gaza. Independent journalist Talia Jane reports that a police officer showed up pointing a gun at the man's burning body. I guess that's just what American cops do when they aren't sure what to do. Someone who was actually trying to save the man reportedly yelled, I don't need guns, I need fire extinguishers. I feel sometimes the world throws up the perfect symbol to define our time. In this instance, a serviceman who set himself on fire in protest of a war supported by the United States of America and therefore taxpayer dollars, ultimately ends up with a police officer pointing a gun at him while he burns himself to death. Tells you something, not only about the conflict in the Middle East, in particular the Gaza conflict, but it also tells you something about the relationship between the state and the military. The 
state and all of us, the nihilism, the ridiculousness, the sadness and the hopelessness of the plight of the world when wars funded and perpetuated in this manner lead even to those that are asked to enact what is required of the military to self-immolation, self-destruction, despair and dread. I think all of us get a sense that the military are exploited, their image, their loyalty, their service used to leverage censorship and compliance from the rest of us who may have many questions about the nature of these wars. But this provides us with an event and a symbol that brings into stark and stunning reality exactly what's going on in the Middle East, as if the images from that region weren't enough to help us understand the need for intervention, the need for diplomacy, the need for an end to these wars. This just might be the most American thing I've ever heard of. It's more American than the fake bald eagle cries that they put in Hollywood movies. It's more American than monster trucks and mass shootings. You simply cannot fit more America into a single incident than a man dying a horrifying death in protest of war crimes while a first responder screams at cops to stop pointing their guns at him and go get fire extinguishers. If you were to pick a single moment in history to sum up the essence and expression of the US empire, that would be it. That's why I'll be very surprised if this gets much mainstream coverage. Of course there is the horror, gore, sadness and tragedy of a human being doing that in desperation and in protest, but there's also what is implied by the event. All of us remember the image of that child running away from napalm attacks in Vietnam. All of us remember the man in Tiananmen Square holding those bags in front of a tank. Those images were popularised presumably because in some way or another we all either had a more responsible news media at that time that genuinely opposed the establishment agenda or we were just more naive and the establishment agenda at those points required withdrawal from Vietnam so they started to popularise that image. Or in the case of Tiananmen Square you can see why opposition to China would always have been an attitude or an aspect. Nevertheless, at this point where many of us are questioning the legitimacy of events in Gaza, the ongoing Ukraine-Russia war, the escalation of tensions between America and China, a service person doing this outside an embassy is an indication that the appetite for these wars is waning, even as more and more we're subjected to various advocates for militarism saying you have to keep this war going. We're just on the brink of beating Russia. We're just about to achieve Middle Eastern peace through war. You have to control Iran. If we don't do this, it's clear that that idea is running out of steam and the image of Aaron Bushnell ablaze perhaps might be a pivotal moment in all of our understanding of these wars. As you know, our channel is continually accused of conveying misinformation. We are accused of being conspiracy theorists. You know that our defence is that we try to convey the truth to you and we try to oppose establishment power. On that basis, here are some facts about actual support for the war. Here are some facts about the way that wars are funded and who benefits from those wars. And here are some facts about how service personnel are treated and how they feel more broadly, what their economic and domestic conditions are, so that you can decide for yourselves what might be behind these forever wars when perhaps they are not beneficial to the troops that are being enlisted and compelled to conduct the business of war. A Forbes 2022 poll showed that only 17% support the United States doing whatever it can to help Ukraine, even if it provokes a war. This war is becoming less and less popular, even as its funding increases, often tied to other wars and other regional disputes, shall we call them. There is still an appetite to continue to fund this dispute, not to reach a diplomatic resolution. A majority of American adults would not be willing to serve in the military were the US to enter into a major war, recent polling has found. Ought then we not be considering that fact when entering into further agitation with Russia and potentially China and escalating tensions in the Middle East? The people in America 
don't want to fight in a war. I don't know if that has any impact. No, not really. We can just ignore that. Okay, what do you mean by democracy again? I like Mike Benz's analysis. Democracy now doesn't mean elections and therefore the will of the people. Democracy means a set of institutions, be they national or global, that serve the carriage of power, that serve the fulfillment of the agenda of the powerful. It's a brilliant shift. When they say, we have to do this to protect democracy, there's no elections in Ukraine. By democracy, we mean BlackRock. Quinnipiac polls show that 84% of Americans worry about getting pulled into a war in the Middle East. Some 65% want a ceasefire in Israel's war on Gaza, not US military action. That appears to be a statistic that ought sway the outcome. President Joe Biden will convene the top four congressional leaders at the White House this week to press lawmakers on passing the $95 billion national security package that bolsters aid for Ukraine, Israel, as well as the Indo-Pacific. How can those initial pieces of data lead to that piece of data? No one wants a war. People don't want to enlist. People want war to end. We're going to be funding some more wars. Well, were you listening to the first bit? We were listening and actively ignoring. Congress has passed four spending packages in response to Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, $113 billion in total. As of September 2021, the Pentagon spending has totaled over $14 trillion since the start of the war in Afghanistan, with one half of the total going to military contractors. One half of the total going to military contractors. Are you beginning to suspect there could be an agenda beyond helping different sets of children around the world? Remember, you may have recently seen Victoria Newland saying, the good thing about this war in Ukraine is a of the money finds its way back to the American military industrial complex. And by the way, most of the support we are providing actually goes right back into the US economy and defense industrial base. Yeah, almost as if that's the whole point of this. A large portion of these contracts, one quarter to one third of all Pentagon contracts in recent years, have gone to just five major corporations. Lockheed Martin, Boeing, General Dynamics, Raytheon and Northrop Grumman. I wonder if they have any influence on these policies. Again, using Mike Benz's analysis, democracy now doesn't mean elections, it means institutions. Presumably some of these institutions are the relationships between the state and major corporations, donors and funders. Let me know in the chat how you would assess that information. Meanwhile, how are the actual military personnel themselves feeling about these wars? Remember, just 10, 20 years ago, it was considered unpatriotic to criticise wars because it was as if you didn't respect the sacrifice made by service personnel. And I know that many of you are vets that watch our channel and I see your comments in there and I hear how you talk about your time in service. Look at some of these statistics. It's an astonishing insight. Military families are reporting housing, health and financial challenges, according to a survey released by the Military Family Advisory Network, which found that nearly a quarter of enlisted families are experiencing food insecurity and that more than 60% of respondents pay more than they can comfortably afford on housing. Active service personnel cannot afford food and shelter. That's really near the top of the Maslow Pyramid of Needs. I'm doing the Pyramid of Needs there. This isn't some Illuminati thing. The Pyramid of Needs. So if you're in the services and you can't afford food and shelter, you know, go America or not. One fifth of active service families, nearly 40% of veteran families surveyed, reported less than $500 of emergency savings or no emergency savings funds. And over three quarters of military families indicated they carried debt. Almost 40,000 veterans are without shelter in the US on any given night. Those statistics I find very difficult to listen to. And they are brought into stark clarity by the image of Aaron Bushnell 
Bushnell ablaze outside an embassy in protest of a war, it seems that Aaron Bushnell has identified another conflict for which he is willing to give his life. And I would say in that conflict, there is an indication that there is a deeper patriotism available to all of us. What does it really mean to support our tribe, to support our nation, to support our people? Does it mean the continued funneling of our tax dollars and resources to those five companies? Or does it mean disobedience and the ability to oppose their agenda? Let me know in the chat in the comments what side of that equation you find yourself. Once again, Caitlin Johnson has written about how both parties, the Republican and the Democrats, when it comes to this issue of war, and perhaps war is the ultimate issue, you tell me, ultimately agree with one another and tend to simply use different aesthetics when it comes to what legitimizes their war or their pursuit of their agenda. It's an interesting article. Have a listen. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that if a Republican president were to back a genocide, it will be an evil and unforgivable atrocity. Whereas when a Democrat president backs a genocide, it's a minor foible that you better shut up about unless you want Trump to win. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that the Republicans argue in support of wars, militarism, capitalism and oppression using right-wing language, whereas Democrats argue in support of wars, militarism and capitalism and oppression using left-wing language. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Republicans do evil things for evil reasons, whereas Democrats do evil things for noble, humanitarian reasons. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Republicans facilitate all the interests of the US empire because America is strong and godly and should rule the world, whereas Democrats facilitate all the interests of the US empire because America is liberal and egalitarian and defends the rules-based international order. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Republicans want to start a world war with China, whereas Democrats strongly favour starting a world war with Russia. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that people massacring civilians in the global south under Republican administrations are racist, homophobic, misogynistic bigots, whereas the people massacring civilians in the global south under Democratic administrations are inclusive, intersectional, feminist, LGBTQ allies. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Republicans criticise Democrats for made-up nonsense reasons like wokeness, whereas Democrats criticise Republicans for made-up nonsense reasons like Russiagate. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Republicans are led by demented octogenarian swamp monsters who can't string a sentence together and have spent decades in office promoting ecocide, imperialism, exploitation and oligarchy, whereas Democrats, oh well I guess that one's both of them actually. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Liberals feel bad when Republicans are overseeing the imperial bloodbath and feel good when Democrats are. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that when Republicans do the monstrous things necessary to maintain a globe-spanning empire, they're the greater evil, whereas when Democrats do the monstrous things necessary to maintain a global-spanning empire, they're the lesser evil. The difference between Republicans and Democrats is that when the Imperial murder machine has an R on it, we're meant to frown, and when the Imperial murder machine has a D on it, we're meant to smile. I don't know where Caitlin Johnston, the author of that piece, stands on American imperialism. It certainly doesn't seem that she's particularly enchanted by either party in the American political system. And it seems to me that with Aaron Bushnell's death, we should be looking with this further scrutiny, not only at America's military endeavours around the world, the way it's funding who profits, who suffers who dies as a result of it on all sides, whether that's the people dying in Gaza, the people dying in Ukraine, the people dying in Russia, the people that will die in Iran, presumably the people dying in Yemen, the people dying in Syria, the people that might die in Taiwan, the people that will die in China, the Americans that will die, all of the people that will be invited to die as this project continues, as well as perhaps assessing what benefits were gleaned from the Iraq war and who experienced those benefits. Did you? How's your fuel prices? How's your food prices? The Afghanistan war, how did you benefit from that? How's your food prices? How's your fuel 
fuel prices. And who can you vote for right now that will end these wars? I know many of you will be responding, Trump, Donald Trump. Perhaps some of you will be saying Robert Kennedy, but I know many of you have questions there. I can't imagine there's many of you saying Joe Biden because I read your comments. I know where you stand. Where we stand on this issue is that perhaps this is an opportunity, a time for us to assess the nature of war, what our priorities truly are. If American service personnel, while in active duty, are setting themselves on fire, and even the ones that aren't driven to martyrdom are living in pecunious circumstances of poverty and suffering, does the idea that criticising the war machine is anti-patriotic even make sense anymore? And if you, as those statistics show, do not want to spend your tax dollars and your family's lives on these wars, who is benefiting from these wars? When you see long-term political apparatchiks like Victoria Nuland saying it's necessary to continue the war against Russia, or when you see various advocacy groups saying it's necessary to further disrupt the Middle East in spite of the ongoing intervention of the West being part of the obvious problem in that region, when you see people on one side of the political aisle saying we must have war with Russia and on the other side we must have war with China, and for those of us that are in other English-speaking nations caught in the tailwind of your great nation debating whether or not our tax money and our children's lives have to be spent on your wars, surely it's time for us to together as people, wherever we stand on the cultural scale, wherever we sit in the political spectrum to say whose interests are being served by this. When you see legacy media instruments, even ones of entertainment, refusing to robustly question the integrity of this ongoing global military campaign, you have to ask, how is it that the media are owned, that the political establishment is owned, that social media is increasingly becoming owned, censored and controlled in order to facilitate whom? In order to benefit who? And if you're wondering about what the benefits of these wars might be, have a look at what the benefits of the last wars were and how they benefited you, your family and your community. And if to ask those questions is unpatriotic, then I'd have to say that I am becoming increasingly less patriotic. I say that as an Englishman. But that's just what I think. Remember, you can support our content by clicking that link in the description and becoming an awakened wonder with us. Please, God, we will be able to create a movement to oppose this hypocrisy and corruption somehow, because if we don't do anything, who's gonna? In the meantime, if you can, stay free. <laughs> No, here's the fucking news.